week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael Newmagic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of the shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts if they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak, The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week, The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. And I'm Mike and we are close to the screen. There it is. <laughs> we were a little too close there. Welcome to The Magic Mike Show episode 370, Mr. Samich. Derby prep news and week Woo! We are going live here on Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. It is all Kentucky Derby news and updates and discussion. Bring your hottest takes into the chat section. Love to talk to you. Mister. Uh, wow. Love to talk. Mr. Summage, I can't speak. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. We are. I made my paper chain last night, counting down to the Kentucky Derby. Got to clip one of those circles off today. It's gonna be a crazy two weeks. Uh, you know, it always is with the Kentucky Derby season, but this this year especially, it seems like we have more and more news piling in. All of a sudden, my classic Causeway futures, which I was ready to rip up, are back. And I'm, I mean, I don't really think they're gonna win, but they're at least <laughs> in the Derby now. Uh, we're still not sure what Chad Brown's gonna do with some horses here. We've got workouts. And lack thereof to talk about. Uh, so it's a little bit interesting. I mean, you just got all of these these crazy things going on. Um, obviously, you had Blast at Keeneland last weekend. Thank you for everybody who came up to say hi. Probably like 20 different people coming up and said hi. And it was a lot of fun to hang out with you guys and uh, talk horse racing. Wish it was a little better weekend financially. Uh, Keeneland's been a difficult meet. Uh, so I kind of agree with Chris. It'd be nice to cash a ticket here soon. But it's, uh, it's it was a lot of fun being there. Absolutely beautiful, too. And um, I was underdressed. I realized that. Everyone <laughs> dresses up. Uh, a lot at Keeneland. Pretty surprised by that, considering you just wear a t-shirt and shorts to Saratoga. There's uh, uh, That's good to know because the Breeders' Cup will be back at Keeneland this fall. And I haven't been to Keeneland before, so it's good to know. Yeah, definitely. I didn't think it would be Del Mar attire. Del Mar attire is its own special thing. That's kind of one of the beauties about Del Mar. But yeah, I, I'll have to remember this when we get uh, coming for Breeders' Cup. Boy, you guys are not joking in the chat. You guys are showing up with the uh, hot takes already, Mike. This is going to be a good show. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's fun to just kind of spitball about some of these horses and kind of start to form your opinion. I mean, it's it's that time where, you know, we've, we've got to make picks here. I'd say early next week is when we're really going to start deciding who we wanted. Last uh, last year on Monday, the draw was when I decided I was going to be on, on uh, our old friend Medina Spirit there. I, I think the draw is going to be really interesting this year. I'm excited to see where a couple horses draw. We're going to talk about the Yafferts. I think they're two of the, the key draws here. Timeform just put out their pace projections for the Derby, just put out their, their past performances. We can talk a little about who they have as the early pace and how they set it up. And, and there's a rumor that Slim is going to come back and talk pace too. Uh, so I'm hoping that happens. Saratoga Slim, if you're listening to this, which I know you are because you're driving to work again, uh, we got to do a video together for your pace, pace thesis this year. You better be driving home from work, buddy. It's five o'clock. <laughs> well, he doesn't listen live. He, down, he downloads. He's a subscribe and download kind of guy That's on right. Apple iTunes. I forgot about that. Yeah, actually, so fun fact, I don't know if he still does, but Saratoga Slim used to listen to Blinkers off at 1.25 speed or 1.2 speed because that was like the exact time for him to travel to work was if he timed it at that. So he was used to Aaron and Jared uh, sounding a little Mickey Mouse-ish. But hey, we've got a lot of news to talk about, Mike. Let's get right into the news of the Kentucky Derby. Lots of news to talk about. The biggest one I think that is uh, most important uh, that Brian brings up in the chat, Classic Causeway. No shot, definitely going to mess with the pace. That's right. After working five furlongs uh, this past Saturday, Classic Causeway, as of today, is back in the running for the Kentucky Derby. And he picked up Julian Le Peru to ride him. So uh, we weren't big on Classic Causeway, Mike, before he was defecting and then everything. But we always thought he was a major pace presence in this race. Talk to me about why Classic Causeway being back in is a major disruptor. Well, he's not afraid to go to the front. Um, we saw that in the Florida Derby. We saw that, obviously, in both of the preps at Tampa there as well. And with everyone that was pulling out of this race, specifically Forbidden Kingdom, it was looking like we're going to have a slower and slower pace. Then we don't know about early voting. Chad Brown mentioned that he's not going to ship him to Churchill, which I think kind of the, the tea leaves are being read there. He's probably yeah. not going to the Derby. So if we're not shipping, if you have early voting out, if you had Classic Causeway out, all of a sudden it was like, okay, Who's going to set the pace here? And that was going to set it up, I felt, for some of the better horses that I, I liked forwardly placed to, to be able to get the job done and go. And I thought wire to wire actually became a possibility in the Derby. Now you have Classic Causeway, who will most likely be your speed of the speed. I think that's probably about a, a 90% chance, assuming he breaks, is that he makes the lead. 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Messier does. It's going to be interesting to see what Taba does. I think they're definitely parts of the pace presence. We've seen Epicenter on or close to lead, so he's going to be interesting. Uh, White of Barrios and Flication. There's a couple of these horses who are like, okay, are they going to go? Are they going to stay? What are we going to do here? Um, but Classic Causeway is one you know will go, and that's really the biggest piece of this news because I'm not sure he's going to be there you know, a mile into the race, but I am positive where he will be you know, four furlongs in, and that's going to be right up front. Yeah, no matter where he draws, that's the one thing we know with Classic Causeway. He's going right to the front. I mean, we talked about it um, when we were analyzing the Tampa Bay Derby, but the Classic Causeway, the, it, it's like a quarter horse when he breaks from yeah. the gate. He is so clean and so precise is that the gate breaks open. And Mike, you made the joke that it's like his Tampa Bay Derby, his gate opened before everyone else because he was so far out. And that's a huge thing for the Kentucky Derby. Let's be honest. We don't think he's winning. Can he hit the board? I think there's an outside chance he gets third, maybe third, definitely fourth, because he's going to fade. But how badly does he fade in the stretch? Uh, he's not going to be on my tickets. I think that's the answer for me. I think that that if he goes slowly, uh, he's going to have a lot of pressure. And if he goes fast, he's going to quit anyway. So I, I think it's going to be a tough spot for him to get comfortable up front. Often we talk about, okay, how do they how do they feel up front? Are they running quickly but going but comfortable? Is there anyone with a length? And I, I think Luis brings up a great point here. I did the, uh, the the horse capsule for Summers tomorrow. It was coming over from the UA Derby, ran second there. Um, Crown Pride was able to, to pass him down the lane. Summers tomorrow is going to be a pace player as well. And, and if you look at either of these horses and you talk to the connections, you, you, or you pretend that you're the connections, you have one way to win. Go. You got to go to the front. And, and that's, for both these horses, the same thing. I would expect that neither makes the lead, the lead, lead easily. And additionally, I mentioned this before, Tyler and Messier are faster than either of these horses if they want to be. Um, I don't think they will want to be on race day. Both of them have been able to show that they can stalk and pounce. But if they wanted to press the pace or make the lead, either of those horses could. It would probably be a, a suicide mission now that you have Classic Causeway in. But both of those could probably make the lead as well. And, and you know, to me, this uh, right here is one of the biggest question marks. Mm -hmm. We don't know why he ran bad in the Florida Derby. And, and last year we had a horse like this where, you know, Mandaloon ran really poorly in Louisiana and they said, we have no clue, but they never took him off the trail. The plan was right. never to not run him in the Derby. It was always, we're going to go to the Derby. We're not sure why that race was so bad. It was too bad to believe. No one has any clue what happened in the Florida Derby. Um, and then they took him off the trail right after the race. And now he's back on it. It's just, it's a very odd sequencing of events that makes it hard for me to back or have any faith that Classic Causeway is going to run more toward the Tampa Bay Derby and less toward the Florida Derby. I was surprised he was even in the Florida Derby. I felt like that was way too quick of a turnaround. Uh, I was expecting him to almost train up to the Kentucky Derby. That was the discussion. He wins the Tampa Bay Derby after winning the Sam F. Davis Stakes, and we're like, oh, he's beating easier horses, and we don't know, you know, how can he do against the big dogs? But immediately after Tampa Bay Derby, we said, do you go bluegrass or do you train the Kentucky Derby? And we kind of said, oh, let's go bluegrass. And Brian Lynch goes, yeah, we're going to go bluegrass. And then he works so well, Brian Lynch called an audible. I think that backfired. I think that backfired just a little bit on him. Uh, but Chris brings up a really great point. Time for him, published the pace projector, and like 10 minutes later, by God, that's classic Causeway's music. He's coming down the tunnel. Yeah, that's exactly what that did do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and they have they have uh, early voting projected as your early loan speed at a, for a fast pace. Now, early voting, like we said, probably not going to go into the Derby. So you can almost just replace early voting there with classic Causeway. Um, and if you do that, then you've got classic Causeway out front, who's probably going to set the pace in any group of a couple horses. Now, I'm going to say this again, and I, I disagreed with time form last year, specifically on Midnight Bourbon, who was going to be on the pace, going to be right there. Same with uh, uh, Hot Rod Charlie, going to be on the pace, going to be right there. They weren't that fast. I think they have Epicenter way too fast here. They've got Epicenter right on par right now with uh, Messier, and they have Epicenter right on par with whoever the 18 is here, Charge It, who I also think probably not going to be on the lead. So it's interesting who they have kind of in that top flight right behind yeah. the long speed. So with all these pace numbers, you have to remember, smaller sample size, a lot of these horses coming out of different distances. Make sure you don't do your own research, because I, I would disagree with some of the pace that they just put up. Steve brings up an interesting point. You, the derby, the, the, the draw, and the break are just as important as anything in the race. And... <laughs> Not specifically targeting. I'm not going to target Julian Le Peru because I don't like to do that. But I know some people aren't big fans of Julian Le Peru. Steve says, what if Le Peru chokes classic Causeway right out of the gate? Like, this is going to be everybody who thought Rock Your World San Anita Derby win was legit. And then he broke from the gate poorly. And literally, you're just like, God, that's it. The whole thing, you're, now you hate. You literally hate the next two minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. 
As someone who bet game winner, uh, it's not fun when, when your horse gets killed early in the derby and you know you're not winning. And you just you get to sit there and, and watch the, the fastest two minutes in sports go very slowly as you just cry into your, your losing tickets. Uh, so it, it can be kind of tough there. And I agree with Robert here. I, I think post position is going to be huge when we're talking about speed. I, I think if you see Messier or Taiba drawn inside, they are both pace presence threats. I think if they draw in the, the, the 8 through 15 hole, they're not. I think that they're more of we're going to sit and see what we can get as long as there's speed to the inside of them. Uh, you know, we've been harping on inside speed and how important it is. That's going to be a huge factor here in the draw. Obviously, you don't want the one, but if you're speed and you're in that three or four spot, uh, you're going to the lead. You're going to try and be first into that first turn, and you're willing to do it in 22 and change, assuming you can slow this thing down and get a breather second and third quarter before having to try and get that that last stretch. Uh, I want to keep going back. I want to go back up to the comments a little bit because, again, everybody, you've been really wonderful. Keep bringing the comments to you here. Go way up towards the t- – oh, <laughs> so click that back on. Alex says we need we need trigger warnings for game winner derby mentions. Uh, sorry. I'm sure there's some people who feel like we need trigger warnings for Rocky World derby mentions too. So there's probably a couple horses that would fall into this. Uh, go back to Shadi here to represent <laughs> Barber Road. Shadi was here before we got started representing the Barber Road fan club. Uh, Barber Road, let's talk about this horse a little bit. Uh, polarizing because there are some people like Shadi in the fan club. They love the horse. Um, it's exciting when you have a horse that's a closer and weaves his way around horses and you feel like, oh, next time, next time. I've personally been bitten too many times by those horses. Here's what I want to talk about him. Uh, on the 23rd, he worked four furlongs, sorry, six furlongs uh, in 116 uh, and the four fifths. Like, that's bad. Six furlongs, you should be doing like 112 and change, maybe 113 if you're going slow. For comparison, Zozo, same day, uh, 112 and four, bullet work. <laughs> so, uh, and he was working with Folsom, who's an older stakes winner. Um, yeah, Barber Road. I'm not excited about him into this. I feel like that that would work was a bad sign. Yeah, look, okay, I don't take very much into works. Um, get ready, just put your put, put your everyone's about to work the best they've ever worked before in their life, so just get ready to hear that for, for the next week. This horse. Well, here's the thing with a six furlong work, was he really working six furlongs or did he work four and then gallop out the last two? Like, there's a bunch of other things that I think go into the fact that it's six furlongs. You don't see horses work six furlongs that often, usually, it's three, four, or five, depending on the intention. Um, and, and like a lot of trainers, when they're working six, are never going to try and get the horse to go 12. Now, Zozo. Zozo's may have just freaked in that work or may have actually been more keyed up than Cox wanted in that work. Like there's a lot of different things that you see going into it. I don't know the intention of the trainer for the workout. So I'm not going to judge the workout time solely based off the time. Now, if they look bad running, that's a problem, right? There's other things that I think they can factor into it. Um, but for me, like I, I don't really buy into the workouts leading up to this next two weeks. I think that that's a great way to get talked onto a horse you don't like, talked off a horse you do like. Uh, and so for me, if you like Barber Road, that workout doesn't matter. If you like Zozo's, that workout doesn't matter. If you didn't like Barber Road, you can point to that workout. Like it is, it, to me, it's just, it's fodder in, in a lot of ways versus like actually how you should come up with who your horse is. And this is a great example. I hate Cyberknife. Won't be betting Cyberknife. Don't care how good his work was. Like, just don't care. Because if I care and all of a sudden it's great, I end up on Cyberknife, and then I'm kicking myself when he runs 16th. Yep. Yeah, it's so easy the next two weeks for paralysis by analysis, and you fall in love with the wrong horse. Um, Steven brings up Cox horses are looking good. Like, I'll be honest. They always look good leading up to the big days. Um, yeah, except yeah, Warren. Don't bet Warren. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Uh, we're not going to talk about Warren. Um, but, no, he's got uh, he, Cyberknife. Um, Zozos. I think Zozos. Who's horse. the third one? Who's the third one? I don't know. I, I, I like Zozos more than his other horses. That's true. Uh, Magic uh, Carrot- Tony Port. Tony Port. Tony Port, thank you. Uh, Magic Carrots, uh, here no love from White Abario. Let's talk about White Abario. I know there's a little bit of love uh, from some people, but um, wins the Holy Bowl off of missing two works because he was sick. Wins the Florida Derby, misses a work. I, I don't know. What do you think about White Abario? I'm, I'm doing this on him. I'm not quite sure right now. Honestly, White Abario is one of the hardest horses for me in this field and so i it's it's i'm gonna see what the what i'm waiting for the actual pps to come out now because i have the opinions that i have in my head of all of these horses and i, I need to make sure that that i i still put the analytical work into it and make decisions i think white abario looked very impressive in the fountain of youth i'm sorry yeah the fountain of youth not the holy bowl holy bowls we missed he looked very impressive in the fountain of youth i thought the florida derby in the moment was very visually impressive i then have gone back and watched the florida derby a couple times and it makes me like white abario a little less now on the positive side, he has the exact style that you want, right? He want You want to sit behind the pace. You want to be able to then pounce on the leaders around the far turn. You need to be first or second in the final furlong. Aaron mentioned this. I think it was like 
I think every single winner since we went to the point system, and maybe maybe there's one horse that, that bucks this trend, has been first or second at the in the final furlong when the final furlong started has won the race. So you need to be close. You got to be able to have that tactical speed and be able to, to to be able to get home. That time was not good in the Florida Derby. It just wasn't. Charge it was green as heck in the Florida Derby, and I think probably could have gotten by him if we didn't get hit one too many times on the on the right side of our body there. And that that one last right hit caused him to veer in and lose some momentum. He was he was definitely running down by he was definitely trying to run down White Barrio before that. I'm not sure the extra distance is a good thing for White Barrio, but to me the biggest factor is Messier and Tabler in the race. They weren't when I liked White Barrio. When I was picking White Barrio, both of them were yeah. not going to be in the Kentucky Derby. The waters got deeper and like I don't think people talk about that enough. There were, there were three two horses in this race that weren't going to be in this race. They're both going to be sub 10 to 1. It, it makes it a lot harder for everyone else who's in contention. Bashan brings up uh, the race is setting up sweetly for Zandon, Mo Donegal, and Epicenter in a three-horse showdown. That would be uh, one hell of a finish. You get to the top of the stretch at like the 316th or the quarter pole, and you just see those three. You got Epicenter takes the lead. Zandon's making a move behind him, and Mo Donegal's going 18 wide off the turn behind them, or maybe up the rail, one of the two. Um, that would be an exciting finish because then you've got Asmussen, Brown, and Pletcher with three of the best jockeys in the race, Rosario, Pratt, and Irad. All gunning each other down. That's that's a that's a fucking epic Kentucky Derby finish right there. It would be absolutely awesome. Um, I, I, Zandon and Mo Donegal need to make the trip because they're not going to be close to the pace. They're going to be weaving through some traffic. Uh, we saw Pratt do a wonderful job uh, at Keeneland doing that. Was practicing, just doing, practicing for this race. Just that was Zandon got a perfect trip with him. Mo Donegal uh, looked good in the wood. Was able to sit on the inside and able to get by early voting. Uh, and and the time came back was from the wood. Solid. I mean, like very, very good time. And they ran sub 12s after the first quarter. So if you're looking at one of the, you know, one of the better projectors of who's going to win the Derby, how fast was the final half mile they ran in all their prep races? Mo Donegal walking in there was held at shoulders held high. I mean, he, he ran fast in that wood. So yes, all three of those are definitely contenders. And that's, that's one thing about this year's Derby to me, it's gotten, the picture's gotten muddier in the last two weeks than it has clearer, which is not always what you're looking for, but it was the same way it felt last year before the draw. So we'll see what happens here with the draw and and where that projects to everything. I, I will say, I, I you know, two of those four, three horses listed there are definitely going to be on every, if not every ticket, if not most of my tickets. Uh, Vishon brings up Pratt going to ride Zandon the way he did Country House. He's going to have to. That that Country House winning trip. Country House never should have even been second in the Kentucky Derby. You watch that horse's races before and after. You're like, that's the horse that. All right, that's what we got. Uh, well, Whatever. Um, where did we see? I had another one here. Oh, yeah. Chris brings up. I heard Zo <laughs> I get why he says this. Zozos is an awful horse. You shouldn't bet him to win or in your exotics. Leave him off all your picks. Let's talk about Zozos because news broke while we were 10 minutes to, to post for the show. Manny Franco is your rider of Zozos. What do you think about Manny Franco riding Zozos? Really? Yep. Manny Franco's riding Zozos. God, that's the best we could do. <laughs> I mean, Manny Franco lost on Tis the Law. I think that pretty much sums up my opinion of this decision. He lost on him twice because he lost the Kentucky Jockey Club, and that was purely Manny Franco losing that race. Well, I mean, yeah, and I can't really blame him for the Derby, honestly. I mean, he was just – he just was never running down authentic. That was – it's just that simple, and, and that is what it is. Um, uh, Manny Franco on a Brad Cox horse definitely gives me pause. I mean, Brad Cox has some pretty good jockeys he can call up, and I realize a lot of people have mounts already here, but – I'm a little surprised yeah. with Manny Franco. That's my that's my my counter is is who who's available that he could grab right now. Florence on Cyberknife, right? Um, no, Florence on on Donegal on uh, Zandon. No, oh, you're, no, oh, you're you're thinking Giroux. Okay, yeah, yeah, Giroux. Yeah, um, he's French. oh, because it said Florence. Sorry, I was yeah. like, I think it's Flavian. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, Jose Ortiz, I would think you could get off simplification. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess he's on early voting. No, so Jose's on simplification. He confirmed that one. I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. I I will say a positive for this. If you're a Zozo supporter, Manny Franco proved with his the law that if you look him in the eye and say, "Listen, kid, here's how you ride this fucking horse," he'll listen. Yeah. He, he didn't know that in the Kentucky Jockey Club, and then afterwards, Barkley was like, "I'm gonna fire your ass if you do that again. Keep him clear." Kept him clear. He was fine. So I, I'm okay with yeah. Manny Franco. It's not one that makes you go, yeah, but it's not like, I don't know. You, you, you didn't get Lannery, I guess. Rispoli? I mean. Yeah, you could go with Rispoli. Yeah. He's pretty good I mean, on dirt, too. I don't know. 
Yeah, there's, there's interesting. This is a, this is a pretty interesting comment here from Luis too. Uh, early voting probably is out if you assume that Manny's not going to ride him because that would have been Chad's most likely call. Great point, Luis. Great point. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Oh yeah, I heard about this one. Uh, Nick was one of the 22 people that you got to meet at Keeneland. <laughs> I saw. I he texted me that he was gonna that he met you and jokingly I said picker. It didn't happen. He actually sent me a picture. So. Yeah. Uh, I was impressive. <laughs> I was impressed yeah, we, had a, we had a good time hanging out on Friday. He uh, came and sat with my dad and I, and Brady joined us. Had a couple of people that kind of swung by, and uh, just had our own little Magic Mike section going there at Keeneland right on the finish line. It was a blast. Uh, Trish brings up uh, – uh, by the way, Trish – no, that was – sorry. Trish was in the, the tournament challenge, the Racing Dudes tournament challenge. We haven't. Trish hasn't been a winner yet, but I think uh, – I think Trish is going to be a winner sooner rather than later. But Trish wants North off and smile happy. Seems no one is talking about him. Trish could see him in Superfecta being forgotten about. Definitely. For, for me, not a winner. Definitely a hit-the-board candidate because that – I mean, he loves to run, and he looks happy when he's doing it. <laughs> I love to smile too. Um, yeah, look, this horse is like a, a conundrum to me because I'm not sure what the price is going to be on Smile Happy. I think that's going to really dictate a lot of how I use yeah. this horse. Um, favorite in the first three Kentucky Derby pools look great as a two-year-old it's come back as a three-year-old and hasn't been overly impressive but then if you say well look I like Zandon on top how far away is Smile Happy from um, how far away is Smile Happy from Zandon two lengths three lengths right we just saw that at Keeneland so if if you're going to put Zandon on top you almost have to say I'm going to include Smile Happy in something underneath because like last year I think is kind of an anomaly where you have four horses within a neck of each other at the finish line if you're within two lengths of the winner in the Kentucky Derby, you usually hit the Superfecta. And I think that is another situation here where if you're saying I like Zandon, I think you kind of have to include Smile Happy. I also think we, I think there's more upside to Smile Happy. Do we see him here? I don't know. Do I want Lannery and McPeak in the Derby? Not four to one. But if I'm sitting at 25 to one on Smile Happy, I'm all of a sudden a lot more interested in this horse because I think that is a little bit of an overlay. I think that this is a fantastic, I think this is the classic horse that hits the board in the Derby and people who didn't have him in their tickets are going, but the hell did I have this horse? Uh, yeah. Has either won or finished second every race. He, uh, you look at his, this is his third start off the layoff, third start at age three. Like, purely forget who the trainer and jockey are. Handicapping wise, this horse makes a lot of sense. But the problem is the price, because not only do you have everybody like from the public betting that don't bet horse racing normally, so the odds are a little skewed. You've got Mattress Mac. You've got a guy with literally dump trucks full of money sitting outside. And he's just waiting to see, okay, what are the odds? Okay, now let's put this truck in. Okay, now let's put this truck in. Yes, but he's not betting the try. He's not betting the super with him in third or fourth. And so your price on Smile Happy to win is very different than your point on smi- price on Smile Happy in third or fourth in the super or the try. So if you're using him underneath, I think it makes a big difference. And let's, like you mentioned it, he's run second to Epicenter and Zandon. Probably your first and third picks in the Derby. Let's not bash him too hard, and let's let's remember he can easily run underneath here. I think it's going to be tough for Smile Happy to win, but he can easily run underneath here and fill out a try or a super at a number that is going to be inflated versus his win odds because there is going to be win money coming in, but not necessarily try and super money. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, Mattress Mac just goes all in for the win. He doesn't give a shit about second, third, fourth. Uh, Robert, I saw this comment a while back, wanted to get to it when we could. How good is Taiba, Mike? In one word, how, or in one sentence, how good is Taiba? Not justify, very Damn, good. Don't mind, you asshole. Well, we just we had a, we had an internal meeting because we were talking about all our, our derby coverage, and I literally like Aaron was giving off the the time form numbers came out. Taiba is the best closer in the race according to time form, and is one is the, the third best or fourth best early time form speed number. Well, we said okay, well, what is justify? Justify was thirteen points better in any of his races than, than the second place finisher in the Derby, the second place competitor in his Derby. Tyba does not tower over this field like Justify did, and it took a Justify to be able to break, break the curse of Apollo. So he is not Justify. We need to like just just stop with that. He may turn out to be Justify, but he I think his last time form rating is like one twenty four. Justify's lowest going into the Derby was one thirty seven. So not even close to what that horse was running in that case. Could he get there? I mean, he improved first race to second race. This is his third race. It's a logical step forward spot. I think he's the most talented horse in this field. Period. Doesn't mean he's going to win the Derby, but I do think he is the most talented horse in this field. I agree. I also think he's about the most fragile. <laughs> I think the fact that we've made it this far with him is... A, here's the, So we haven't talked about this before, but we actually... Um, we were getting photos of Taiba working at Santa Anita last May. Like yeah. the Belmont hadn't even been run yet. Taiba was already starting to work. And the reason I bring that up is because he didn't debut until February. Mm-hmm. Like from May, 
of his two-year-old year until February of his three-year-old year, that horse hasn't been on the track consistently. And that to me is a big warning sign. Um, breeding wise, this horse is going to command a lot of money and he's fragile as fuck. I, I don't know. I, I agree with you, Mike. I think this horse has a ton of talent. Um, go King seven has a follow up question. Are you at all worried about Mike Smith riding Taiba? Um, I'm curious about why this question is being asked because Mike Smith did win with justify and he did with, with Giacomo. Well, Justify was a super horse and Giacomo was 15 years ago when Mike Smith was a lot younger. So I think that's the main reason for the question. Uh, I was a lot younger 15 years ago. That's just a fact, okay? Like that is that is a statement of fact. Um, There's a lot of Mike Smith slander out there. It's like my guess is that's the reason for it. And and he's had some questionable rides. Some people say he's not strong. Strong down the lane. I don't downgrade him very much. I think in a field of 20, experience becomes very important in these spots. I mean, it's not easy to ride in the first one of yours, especially if you're not going to be on the lead, which is not where I expect Tyba to be. So you're going to have to make some decisions. And I don't think that part of Mike Smith's game is, is a bad thing at all. Um, look, yeah, do I want – would there be other people I would pick over Mike Smith? Obviously. But he's not in the bottom half of this field, in my mind. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a monster issue to have Mike Smith on Tyba, especially because, look, if Tyba wins this race, you want to know how he's going to win it? He's going to break which Mike Smith's just fine at. He's going to sit two or three wide, which Mike Smith's very good at. And then he's going to be better than the down the lane. It's it's that simple. That If Tyba wins, it's because of that. It's not because yeah. of, you know, and, and how he loses, he draws a two hole and Mike Smith puts him inside three horses. He doesn't get a lane. I don't see that as being that likely of a probability. And I'll know that at the post position draw. This is a, to me, Tyba is not a hard horse to ride, right? They're, they're hard, easy and hard horses to ride. Tyba is definitely an easy horse to ride. Like, just sit him right outside the speed and go. Like, it's, it's you know, it's not that difficult. Mikey Smith even said as much on the backstretch of the San Diego Derby. He just let go of the bridle when I asked. He picked it right up. He's like, a horse never does that. Um, I don't think that Mike Smith – I get the slander. Mike Smith, to me, is not the most aggressive rider, and I think that he's too passive when he should be aggressive. And a great point is honor AP in the Kentucky Derby. That horse didn't break well. And Mike Smith has won two Kentucky Derbies, and he did one of them with Justify B. He knows you got to be on the front end. And he didn't push that horse in. Like, Honor AP didn't break well, and that was it. Mike didn't give him, the I, I felt, the best chance to win that race. So I guess that's your concern. But Name the last horse who broke poorly that won the Derby. That's a great point. I'll wait. Like, it's going to be a while because there isn't yeah. one. It's, it's field of 20. If you miss the break, you're out. It doesn't matter who's on. I mean, like, you could have a rocket strapped to your ass, and you're not winning the Kentucky Derby if you miss the break. It just doesn't happen. I'm willing to try that. You want to strap a rock to my ass and uh, I'll be an also eligible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will. That sounds like a wonderful plan. I... Mike's like, I've wanted to strap a rocket yeah. to your ass in episode three. Um, you know, what's fun, Mike is, so we're doing this. I'm going back through the comments and slowly catching up with everyone. Keep them coming. This is great. There's so many of you watching live. It's amazing. I can see the exact point in the show when I announced that Manny Franco was writing Zosos <laughs> because you know, Vinny with Ugg, really Manny Franco. Yeah. Yikes. Franco. Uh, well, I, but then I mean, you've got magic carrots with the redemption arc. Magic carrots is all about the positivity. Honestly, the Franco Zozos thing to me is way more key than the than the the Pratt versus the Pratt Taiba Taiba thing. Because look, Zozos, he may need to work out a trip. He's not the fastest horse. He's not the slowest, but he's not the fastest. He, you could see Zozos having to decide. Okay, do I get inside and then work my way outside? Do I try and figure it out? Like I, I do like Zozos in this race, and we, we were like, we're talking about a, a feature we're going to do. You know, horses that you don't, that you're scared to leave off your ticket, that you're probably going to. And Magic, yours was Zozos, and Aaron and I's response would be, that would be mine too, but I'm probably going to use the horse. So, like, they, Zozos is one of those horses where if he gets the right trip, he looks like he's got the talent to hit the board. Um, now the right trip part has just become a little more murky considering it's Manny Franco, you know, and I, I was honestly expecting like Drew or someone like that to be on top of him. So it'll be interesting to see where we go, what I do with him now in that race. I'd forgotten Nick Feldman reminded me this morning we were talking, but, uh, how long ago Drew had committed to Cyberknife. You'd think that, uh, with all the moving parts, but all right, we'll uh, listen. Zozos is our preference there. Uh, Vishan, let's get off of, keep going back to Zozos, uh, <laughs> not being malicious. What happened between Santana and Steve Asmussen, Mike? What happened between Ricardo and Steve Asmussen? I, I mean, Aaron could probably, he's in the chat. He could probably uh, go down the laundry list of jockeys that Asmussen has used like this before. Just because you're, you're married to Steve Asmussen for a couple of years doesn't mean you're going to be married to him for life. I think that's really what happened here. Um, I, I think as Asmussen got more and more horses at larger, like, I don't want to say larger. Like, once he went to Saratoga, once he went to a couple of these other tracks, he's like, wait a second, I can get other guys to ride for me here. And I think, you know, Rosario specifically is like, look, I am never getting Chad Brown's horses. 
I'm never getting Todd Pletcher's horses. Uh, why don't I team up with someone else? And I think you might have seen something where it's as simple as Rosario's agent reached out to Asperson and said, hey, we'll follow you. We'll be your, we'll be your guy. If you're ready to go. And I think Asperson's like, hey, that's an upgrade. Let's do it. I, I think it's really that simple. I mean, he's only the winningest trainer in North American history. Has the most? He's the winningest trainer at like 18 different tracks. Um, and he's still going very strong. This isn't like, a, oh, he's in his 80s or 90s. No, he's still... He has the Kentucky Derby favorite, second choice, whatever. So uh, breakups happened. Um, the big reason, uh, Steve Asmussen went one for 80 at Keeneland last fall. Oh, and Ricardo was, was yeah. 0 for 79 because he didn't ride the one winner. So, yeah, the, the Keeneland fall meet, uh, that's kind of what did in there. Their, that was kind of the death nail. I mean, I, I also I've been banging this drum for a while. I think one of the big Asmussen is not as good on the turf as dirt. I think one of the biggest problems was Ricardo Santana, who's not nearly as good on turf as he is on dirt. And I think that we'll see if that changes with Zaria or not. Um, but I, I have a feeling that's a little bit of both their faults. Um, back to Taba. Taba, did we talk about the fact that he only had one workout? Did we touch on this at all? No, we, we haven't talked about it yet. Well, a little bit, but um, yeah. yeah, he's going to do one work probably on the first but he skipped last week's works when everybody else worked. And that's what makes me think this horse is super fragile. Now, real quick, I want to make sure that I, I get this right. Darren is spelling this correctly, right? Yes. T-A-I-B-A. Make sure if you're Googling this horse, <laughs> you Google T-A-I-B-A. Because there is a T-A-B-I-A as well. Very different horse, different lineage. Just for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look. Yeah, this is a concern, but... I mean, that workout's going to be really important. I just bashed workouts. I will probably watch this one because I want to see if the horse is sound and fit. He's been galloping. So it's not like this horse has just been sitting in his stall eating oats and getting fat here, right? He's still been working out and getting the muscles through. Um, you know, I, I mentioned, like, we don't always see the workouts. We don't know how hard he was galloping on the track. And, yes, if one official recorded workout doesn't mean the horse didn't go six furlongs handily, and they just didn't record it, right? There's there's other things that go into this. Now, obviously, a Kentucky Derby contender, it's a lot less likely that happens, but it is still something that happens. And you know what? I am not going to not bet Taba because of one workout, right? It, this is not going to be the reason I get off this horse. Now, if that workout, he looks unsound to me, he looks unfit, then there's something else going on there, right? But it, it, it it's going to be a lot of how that visually looks. And let's let's just face it. Like, look, if he's in the Derby, I got to assume that he is ready to go. And it, just because he worked once instead of twice means that I'm not going to bet the horse who I think is the most talented in the field and probably gets a pretty good trip if he gets a good draw. It just, that seems like you're overthinking it a little bit. Yeah, kind of on that note, it's what I was thinking, that if, if his work is bad enough that we're going, that's bad, the connections are going to pull him. And Steve brings up, it's strange that Yafford, or Bactine, however you prefer, uh, didn't want Taiba in the San Diego Derby, but was overruled by the owner. Yeah, the the Baffert didn't want it. Tim Yachtin didn't want it. The Bloodstock agent, Gary Young, who is the Don's advisor that bought Medina Spirit, that bought this horse, he said, don't do it. And the owner said, do it. I don't know. That usually, like, that worked out in this case, Mike. But historically, let's look at Classic Causeway. Classic Causeway's owners were the ones that told Brian Lynch, put him in the Derby. You only get one shot at, at, at winning the Derby with a horse a lot of times. So I understand. And, you know, you get Derby fever, you want to push him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, Classic Causeway, I think, is different here. I mean, Zan, they, they've won a Derby before here, right? They, they won a Derby yeah. last year. And obviously everything happened and it's got taken away, but they stood in the winner's circle and got that experience. Right. Um, man, it, it, to me, look, if you have Messier anywhere in your top five and you saw what Tyba did in the sanity Derby, you have to take that, that result, that effort as more information than all of the other nonsense, the smoke that's going around him. Right. What's more important, how he ran in the sanity Derby or the fact he's only worked one since what's more important. The fact that he romped in his debut, romped in the San Diego Derby, has been hyped since last last fall, or that the fact that the Bloodstock agent didn't want to put him in the San Diego Derby. I mean, I'm going to look at the track performance, and that's what I'm basing my information off of. And look, there's there's a lot of ways you could talk yourself on and off a lot of these horses. Now, you can make an argument, well, I'm not going to take four to one on Taiba because of all this stuff, and then that's valid. Like, I get it. You're, you're saying that there is a fair value for the horse, and that fair value, you're taking all the other information, and factoring that into your decision to come up with a fair value for the horse that you want to bet it at, that I get, right? Um, but to completely chuck just because of this, I think, is a little aggressive. 
Great points. And it goes back again to what I said about uh, paralysis by analysis. Sometimes you can overthink this stuff. Mike and I have been victim of it. So if, if you're if you're doing it right now or you feel like we're targeting you, we've been you. It's okay. Oh, things been there. Done that. Things you got to bet with there. Not this. And that that often, this is the Barber Road fan club right there. Not this one. <laughs> yeah. As much as you think Rushing Fall is going to get her Breeders' Cup win. Yeah. Maybe she just won't get it done. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Unoho a little bit. Uh, the one-eyed horse with zero chance to win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, John Rice really likes Unoho to hit the board if draws inside. Loves the rail. Doesn't love being slammed into it multiple times a race, as he learned in the Arkansas Derby. What do you think about Unoho's chances, Mike? I am probably chucking all of Arkansas. Um, so that, you know, if you ran at Oakland, I am not interested. Oakland's been doing poorly at Keeneland. Uh, I think that is not a great sign. And then on top of that, I was already cold on the uh, the Arkansas trail. Um, I'm probably going to leave all the Arkansas horses off. I don't think Oho can win. I don't think Cyberknife can win. I would be more interested in Oho, Oho underneath than Cyberknife underneath. Um, but I, I am probably, I mean, Barber Road, unfortunately, for the Barber Road fan club also falls into this list. I'm not using any of them outside of the four spot um, in maybe Unoho or maybe Barber Road makes the four spot, but it's going to be tough. Look, I, who are you leaving off? Messier, Zandon, Modonegal, Epicenter, Taiba, White Barrio. Like that's six horses. You have to leave two, three of those six off for Unoho to hit, get fourth. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for whatever we think of this class going into the Derby, it's a relatively deep class up top. It's not like you're you're saying, hey, this is justify. And then this is everybody else. Right. You're going into this saying you got six legit contenders. You know, I would say five, probably five legit contenders. Um, and But people could argue up to seven or eight. And if you're doing that, you have to for everyone you're arguing is a legit contender. You have to realize, well, how do they miss the board then? Because if someone that is going to creep up and get a big number like Crown Pride or, or like Unoho, who are you leaving off, right? Who, who, who are you dismissing completely? And maybe, you'll go, okay, I'm going to dismiss New York. Okay. You still got five left. Like, and that's without talking about Zozo. So that's all, without talking about Smile Happy, who I think are, are better underneath options than Unoho. Uh, let's see where else we go to. Uh, Luis Saez. We don't really know who Luis Saez is riding yet. Um, I would assume he goes to charge it instead of Pioneer of Medina. One of them has a lot more upside than the other. So I think if I'm Luis Saez, I'm taking the upside horse. He's currently listed on charge it in time form. Um, okay. So if we're going that that direction right now, it's charge it. Which is another interesting one. I mean, he's. I think we haven't talked about charge it very much. Um, we talked about, obviously, Taylor quite a bit. Charge is the other big-time upside horse in this, right? I mean, we've only seen him a couple times. The Florida Derby was impressive for, for third effort. Um, he's green, which means that the upside is definitely there. You can improve off that. Hopefully, Sai has learned a little something down the lane there, not to pop him twice with the right-hand whip, because I definitely think that affected him. Uh, but he, he looked like he was going to be every bit as good or better than White Barrio when they started that stretch drive. So I'll be interested to see what he does. And he, he was a little funky in that race, too. If you watch it, he looked done top of the turn, and all of a sudden he re-engaged. Like re-engage mid lane, and I'm like, oh shit, this could be a problem. Uh, especially if someone who's sitting there with a white of barrio simplification cold exacta, it was a problem. Um, so you you could kind of you could see him learning in in the race, and, and now you have you know three more weeks of development. You've got Todd Pletcher, who obviously does very good at getting these horses ready for the Derby, and he's got to be on the short list of people that you think can can improve big time here. Uh, let's see. We'll go to some more, uh, shoddy. I agree. Shoddy. Be great. In the comments, uh, uh, in the chat, this derby is going to be tough. The draw is making me anxious. Yeah. yeah. At, I'm at this point where Mikey probably you too. It's like, okay, we've got it literally a week from today. So next Monday, the second is when we're going to have the draw for the derby and the Oaks. I'm like, come on, just, just give it to me. Like, I, I like, I'm, I'm like an addict. Give me more to talk about, more to analyze, more to think about here. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Uh, Japan horse also spooks me crown pride. Uh, he's running crowds. That comment got me. Um, but someone else, was it John? Somebody brought up um, Crown Pride. Davey just brought him up down here, so we can pull this up here. There you go. Um, it, this is interesting. I, this is one of those spots I think can be tough. Uh, that track is very different down there than, than or over there, I should say. This is Dubai, uh, what, yeah. UAE Derby, right? Dubai. Yep. Um, it, it's, I wouldn't just add six seconds and say he's going to run a 205. I think that that, that specifically that track is, it, it can come back funky with times. Um, we saw life is good there run. I think it was a 49 second half, half mile, but it was rated as a second fat, a a full second faster than what they had done before in those races. So that you're almost saying like 50 is a good half mile time, which would make 159 interesting. Uh, So I'm not going to go too deep into the, how fast the UA Derby from a just 
past performance perspective in the UAE Derby, uh, never hit the board in the Super. No one in that race has ever hit the board in the Super. Um, we're going to have two horses with Summer Small coming in who's, who set the pace. And, you know, Crown Pride, honestly, like he closed well, and you usually cannot do that in Dubai. So that was definitely a good sign. Um, Pinehurst was the only horse really of note coming from the U.S. over there that you could say, well, that's a measuring stick. Pinehurst, I mean, wasn't even really a ruler, let alone anything bigger than that, if you're comparing it to whoever who the good horses are here in America. So I think, you know, to me, Crown Pride's a wild card. The UA Derby has been awful. So you have to be willing to just say, this is a new horse. And I get it. Japan's been much better. I've been banging that drum for, for a good nine months here. Like, So I, I do think that there is some interest there. I think that, unfortunately, like the price... You saw him go from 50 to 1 to 24 to 1 in the last future pool. I think a lot of people are on this Japan kick. I think you're going to see a lot of people play this horse. I don't think you're going to get as big of a price as you expect in the Super. I think this is going to be one of the more bet horses underneath because people are going to be like, oh, I can't leave the Japan horse off. They've been great, right? So I think you're going to see this horse get bet quite a bit underneath. So if you like him, use him. You're going to get the right price. I, I hear you. Uh, to me, Crown Pride is a, a tough one, though. I, I probably am going to leave him off my tickets. I'm going to leave him off as well. That uh, that stretch run the UAE Derby, yes, it was impressive that he closed, um, that he was able to do that. Uh, Summers tomorrow looked like he was going to win. He looked like he was going to win the way every UAE Derby winner is, winner does, which is get to wire. Um, Crown Pride didn't change his lead. That horse got up there. I say he got up there despite the fact that Summers We know tomorrow. how you feel about changing leads. God damn. By the way, simplification in his latest workout, we talk about workouts, change his lead like a fucking champ. Why can't you do that in a race? But actually, he did it in the Florida Derby and he faded, so it didn't work out. We should talk about simplification because I think that's another horse that, that I think yeah. people are going to be interested in underneath. Um, I, I did the capsule for Racing Dudes YouTube on simplification. We got one for, up for each horse, or Magic put a lot of the, the replays in there. So it's a really cool way to kind of see the replays from the different horses. If you want to go check that out on our YouTube page, I think there's one for 24 different horses. Did a lot of them. Not the um, classic cause because he wasn't in the race when we did them. Jeez. Uh, now, now this is your capsule. This is your capsule right here. There we go. Just just cut this out and throw it up there. Um, look, simplification, when you go back and you watch, so he's really interesting because goes wire to wire in the Mucho Macho win. So you see that element where he can, he can go out there and he can wire a field. That was at a one-turn mile. Uh, it then runs back into the Fountain of Youth and misses the break and rushes up and has this impressive performance. White Barrio kind of keeps and stays in front of him. But when you go back and watch that race, note that Mo Donegal is absolutely running him down, right? And that's at a one-turn mile in the 16th, uh, or a short stretch mile in the 16th. I'm sorry, yeah. two-turn mile in the 16th with a short stretch. Absolutely getting run down by Mo Donegal. Like, mile and, and you know, one fifteenth, and he's, he loses the lead. Next, the next six, done. He's not finishing second. You then go back and you watch him win the, the Holy Bowl, looking very good. There was all that trip trouble in the middle because of what Indu Time did, splitting horses. It goes six wide, misses the break there as well, but easily gets the win. Now, Indu Time comes back and looks awful at Lexington, in Lexington. That, to me, is a bad sign for Florida because he looked bad. Um, and then you have him come back in the Florida Derby. He was gassed. I mean, he went out toward the lead. He was never stopping Way to Barrio from getting by. He was never stopping Charger from getting by. I've got distance concerns with simplification. I don't think he wants anything to do with a mile and a quarter. That's why I'm probably going to leave him off everything. Yeah, I don't. The more I watch the Florida uh, circuit and think about it, the less I like it. That's kind of the same. Like, and I've been the high, I was high on the Florida circuit. And as each week goes by, they're falling down a peg on the list to me. <sighs> I'm glad we got to talk about him. I saw uh, him popping up a few different times in the, uh, in the chat here. Uh, let me see. I lost my spot here. I did see someone bring up the fact that, uh, oh yeah, here it is. Oh, wait, nope. She was responding. Shadi's responding to Rob. But uh, Kathleen O, we don't talk about recent workouts, but man, I, oof, she's looking so good, Mike. Throw out the O. We love the Kathleen O here. I, just, uh, I can't believe she's not going to be the favorite. I mean, it's just wild to me that she's going to go off as the third or fourth choice in that right. race. That's fine. You and I love her. That'll be a, a nice little uh, Oaks double, Oaks Derby double. And actually, here we go. Rob brings up his Oaks Derby double ticket. Kathleen O, um, hey, Adari Manor is out. She's officially not going. So you are singling Kathleen O against Taba, Messier, and Epicenter. That's a good-looking double, Mike. I don't have any issue with uh, with those. I think with the Oaks, you want a single Kathleen O? Um, I am going to single Kathleen O, or I am going to go too deep with Secret Oath. It depends. Like, the Secret Oath Saya's jockey upgrade, I think, is relevant. I think you got to pay attention to that. And I love Dwayne Lucas. I love the whole coach thing. Like, like it's a bunch. It's fun. He's 3%, man. Like he's, he's not a good trainer anymore. Um, and, and so depending on what the price is on Secret Oath, that will be the determining factor for me. I want 
No part of Echo Zulu. I think if I took someone else, it would be the the freaking horse that I took at the Breeders' Cup who missed the break and ran second Echo Zulu last time. Can't remember her name right now, but you're going to say it because that's why I'm monologuing here. Hidden Connection? Hidden Connection would be the other one that I would consider here. Um, the problem is Kathleen O is a freaking monster. So just go back and watch your races. The last race especially where Javier went four wide, four wide, hit her once top of the lane, and she just run, ran away from everybody, uh, I, I thought was really impressive. So for me, it's Kathleen O or Secret Oath, and I think the it, it's – it's what's the price on Secret Oath to me? Because if I'm getting three to one and she's a favorite, no thanks, right? If I'm getting seven to one, then yeah, I'm a little interested. And so it's going to come down to what the number is on Secret Oath. But I do think Kathleen O is the best horse. Uh, we'll build off of that. Your stance of chucking the Arkansas circuit. You were specifically talking about the Derby, right? You still really like uh, Secret Oath for the Oaks. Yes, I, the Derby, the Derby side of like I, I'm chucking Oakland in a lot of ways right now because of how poorly they've done at Keeneland. Um, but when you have a Philly running against the boys and she's been so dominant against the girls, that makes you kind of like, okay, I got to give her some credit here. Look, let's 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 play this game. If Cyberknife Cyberknife was in the Oaks, what's his odds? <sighs> Three to five to one, four to one. Really, Cyberknife in the in the Kentucky Oaks. Well, you're asking me about a boy face in Phillies. I don't know. I mean, you got to think he would be like, I think he'd be like four to five in that race. I wouldn't bet him at four to five, but that's probably around where he'd be. Um, so I, if you look at it that way, I mean, like, then you got to say you got to give her some credit here for, for running so well in that race. And that, again, the trip was terrible. Like, uh, she was way wide, asked too early, never had really a chance to get by him. So it, to me, there's there's other factors there that, that kind of, she clearly has a, a, a pass for that race in my mind because of how the trip was. All right. Oh, here we go. Speaking of the Oaks, we kind of transitioned to the Oaks a little bit. Shahama under Pletcher, Luis. You know that. I keep bringing up Shahama. Yeah, really girl. girl. <laughs> My girl. Because she's a giant question mark. We know every other horse. We've got a filly who was, uh, what, four for four winning by daylight in UAE Derby. Or, sorry, in, uh, at Maidan. And then uh, she skips UAE Derby and comes straight here for this. I don't know. She could be interesting. Um, yeah. What? Let me let me bring this up real quick. Not Trish. Kathleen Hill. Oh, yes, we both want to. Trish's, Trish's biggest issue with Kathleen is who she beat. Who did any of the Phillies beat? That is my retort. No, it's no that it's you have one good Philly in each region, right? I mean, so you got you got Echo Zulu and, and Hidden Connection. So I guess you could say they went against each other. But Echo Zulu really didn't look as good last time down in down in Louisiana. Uh, and Hidden Connection was would would run her down at the Oaks distance. But then you only have Kathleen O down in Florida. You only really have Secret Oath in Arkansas. California, I mean, you had it there, Manor, and then she didn't look very good. But you really don't have depth in each of these divisions. You have really good horses in each of these divisions, but you don't have much depth. So a lot of, like, I would question who did anyone beat on the Philly side. The best one, honestly, would probably be Echo Zulu. She yeah. beat Hidden Connection in, in the group in Fairgrounds. But um, I don't know. I, do you think Echo Zulu is going to... Do you think Echo Zulu is going to have like be overbet, underbet, odds wise? I I feel like not enough people are talking about Echo Zulu, and I might actually get a decent price on her in the Oaks now. Well, um, let me see. Let's let's look. Let's uh, travel overseas to see what the current uh, oh. current odds are here. Last time I looked, um, the Oaks was the favorite in the Oaks was um, uh, Echo Zulu. Yep. So Echo Zulu three to three point five to one. Nest four to one. Secret Oath four point five to one. Kathleen O five to one. Hidden Connection ten to one. Uh, Interstate Daydream 10 to 1, Desert Dawn 16 to 1, Juju's Map 16 to 1, Shahama 16 to 1. Hey, all right, that's a fair price. I think you probably need to get between 15 and 20 to 1, is probably uh, at least overseas. I guess it'd be different once we get the odds. All right, they, I'm finally caught up in the chat here. Uh, <laughs> it, took, it took 48 minutes and 28 seconds, so congratulations, everybody. Um, I'm gonna take a look here through the list. Uh, Epicenter, um, he outworked Gunnett in his last one, that doesn't really. Uh, take too much, but I like that they had him inside. Uh, Mo Donegal working with my prankster. That's a great two winner. Um, Tis the bomb and smile happy work together going five furlongs. Uh, all the reports were saying visually smile happy worked better, even though Tis the oh. bomb had a quick time. You mean smile happy worked better on dirt than Tis the bomb? I know, surprising, right? I don't understand. Right. Like, no, you mean you uh, mean Tis the bomb's a turf horse? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, maybe something like that. Yeah. Maybe something like that. <laughs> Um, let's see, uh, Unoho, his work wasn't all that, uh, visually impressive. Um, we talked about Manny Franco summers tomorrow is going to have a work at Churchill Downs this coming week. Oh, charge it, charge it outworked Cezanne. That's, I knew there was a horse I needed to talk about with charge it. Uh, first of all, Cezanne now with Todd Pletcher, no longer with Baffert, but <laughs> charge is working with Baffert horses. <laughs> 
Charging outworked Cezanne is what we're hearing yeah. from that one. And then Happy Jack is like Taba going into the Derby with just one work since the San Anita Derby. Um, Happy Jack or Taba, Mike? Which one are you taking? Out of that? Uh, I don't know Taba. Then they'll oh, lean that hey, direction. Legit question because I think I saw it somewhere here. I'm going to probably Frankenstein it up. Tis the bomb or Happy Jack? Who finishes farther behind? I mean, I think Tis the bomb might run last. So. Uh, I still think Tis the Bomb might run last. Uh, I, seriously, where Tis the Bomb finished in the Florida Derby? Did he finish the Florida Derby? I don't even know. Did he finish? Um, I'm checking right now. I'm not doing cocaine. Uh, yes, he just finished. Just finished. I'm watching him cross right now. Yeah, I'll like Gallup. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull something up here. So do give me the sharing screen view. Oh, all right. You are set. Boom! Look at that timing. So there we go. Just uh, just for everybody, here's the current odds. There we go. Uh, for the Kentucky Derby right now, if you did want to see it overseas. So hey, look, Epicenter currently the overseas favorite. Messier sitting second at 6.5 to 1. Taba also 6.5 to 1. Got Zanin at 8 to 1. Modonigal at 10. White Abario 11. Charge at 14. You can all read it here uh, in case you're in the chat. Anyone, like, I, from this list, anyone jump out at you, Magic? Tawny Porter 50 to 1 kind of jumped out at me right away because that seems wildly high when you have him around horses like you know, Happy Jack and whatnot. Anyone jump out at you um, that, that you think is a big number down underneath that could get it done? Uh, just Zozos. And I think, you know, if you 20 to 1 on Zozos, to me, that's a playable price. Beyond that, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't think anyone out, like, if I shortlisted the contenders right now, I would not bet anyone to win except, man, probably Messier and Taiba. It's probably, that's probably my list. I'm not betting Epicenter four to one, although he think I think he has a legit shot at winning. I'm not betting Zanin at eight to one, although I think he has a legit shot at winning. Yeah. I'm not betting Bo Donegal or White Barrio at ten or eleven to one, although neither would surprise me. Um, I don't think anyone past the top six could win the race. Yeah, that was the thing. Zozos. If I, I'm just looking at the horses out of that, maybe Zozos. I mean, honestly, I would say early voting at eighteen to one, but I don't think he's going. Um, I. Because this is also you're asking if if I would take an overseas bet versus like race day, right? Because if race day yeah. four to one epicenter, I'm taking that because I think that's a great price on him. But this far out without a guarantee, he's in the gate. Four to one's too yeah. short. And and Nick brings up a good point here. We are not advocating betting any of these because I actually agree with Nick's point. Unless you like like one of the crazy numbers, like Tony Points Port's probably not going to be fifty one on Derby Day. So that's one horse here. I think maybe a lower price. These aren't very good prices two weeks out because they could still scratch. I mean, maybe if you liked Mo Donegal, I don't think you, know, you might get 10 to one on race day. It might be around there. You don't have any drastic edges on these prices. This is more of a, Hey, this is what they're currently looking at. This is what I think we could see coming Derby day. Um, yeah. Tis the bomb is 16 to one. I actually think Tis the bomb can be lower than that. What yes. do you think Tis the bomb goes off at eight to one, nine to one? I was going to go right about 10 to one. I mean, I, I think that horse can get bet still uh -huh. because, I mean, there's some buzz around it, which is ridiculous, and uh, did look very good winning the Jeff Ruby Stakes, which is on synthetic, and uh, sort of a Breeders' Cup winner. So, you know, there's all that kind of stuff. Chris brings up Tis the Bomb's day. Uh, well, not only was his debut, but his win at two, his maiden special weight win at two was dynamic on the Ellis Park dirt. Uh, correct. Mm -hmm. The problem, two problems. One, that was at Ellis Park. Number two, that was July, I want to say, what? of last year. That's a long <laughs> time to go. There's a third problem. Do you know what the third problem is? Kenny McKinsey's this trainer. Uh, well, okay, there's a fourth problem. <laughs> sorry. Was that not it? Okay, sorry. Number uh, four. Number four, that race was scheduled to be on turf. That race was rained off the dress. Oh, that's right. I always forget that. Damn. So it wasn't even against a dirt field. That was against a rained off the turf field. I think you got a 51 buyer for it, if I remember correctly. I've got, um, I've got the life MPPs for everybody pulled up. Let me look. So, so there was there. I don't know how big the field was, but I'm guessing it wasn't 12 horses if it rained off the turf. The buyer came back 51. And it was a one turn mile at Ellis, I think it was. It's like three quarter. It's like one and three quarters because it's like they have that Keeneland shoot, but at the, the top of the other turn, it's it's kind of weird. It's not yeah. fully two turns is the answer. Man, I can't find it. Man, why isn't it? Just the bomb is everywhere except in the PPs when I'm trying to find them. Apparently. Now this is I, I've been I have bashed the the Arkansas group and I'll I'll talk about Cyberknife is here for a second. This is probably the Arkansas horse that scares me the most. I mean it, Brad Cox pretty good at this. Um, Cyberknife seems to be peaking at the right time, they, but they have not been they have not been very good, right? I mean that's the like the Arkansas horses haven't been very good. I'm not sure that the Arkansas group is good enough to compete with this group. And my other issue with Cyberknife is I don't know how he wins. Like I can't 
picture the trip in my mind. And he, he was able to sit close to the pace of the Arkansas Derby. But if you go back and you watch that race, it was funky, man. Like he kind of split horses and got a dream trip into the two path on the back stretch after they went a little too fast and everybody slowed down. And for some reason, no one let, like blocked that hole. So he got a perfect trip on the outside and was able to run by bad horses. And I mean, outside of, of Secret Oath, who wasn't good enough to go to the Derby, according to coach, who sent girls to the Derby before. So it's not like that's an issue with him. Uh, there wasn't, to me, much in that race. Now, if you like Uno Ho, Barbara Road, I get it. But, like, I just, ugh, man, I can't I, I can't get the cyber knife. And if he wins, he beats me. I won't even be mad. I'll just be like, okay, here's what it is. Uh, Davey brings up a, a counterpoint. Every horse is supposed to peak for the Kentucky Derby. And that's true. However, most of them don't. And this comes down to uh, you have a trainer versus a horseman. Um, a trainer just goes out there and, and puts the horses through the works. A horseman builds up to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, so I think when you see Cox peaking a horse or Pletcher peaking a horse at the Derby, that is a lot bigger of a sign than not to date, n- nothing against him. Antonio Sano peaking for the Derby. Okay. But like, you're not, that's not something that I know you for is peaking on a big day. So, uh, that is supposed to be what's happened. You're right, Davey. It just doesn't, uh, doesn't usually happen. Uh, Nick brings up John White's Derby strike system, which you don't know. John White, morning line odds maker for Santa Anita and Del Mar has this famous point system where uh, only one winner of the Kentucky Derby since he's done the point system has won the Derby with three strikes or more. And I think there was, was it one of the asterisk ones? A- anyway, regardless, John White has was, a great system. It was justified. Oh, it was justified. Thank you. So you have to be justified. So if you think Ty was justified, great. If cool. you don't, Cyberknife has zero strikes. That's good. That doesn't guarantee anything. It just means you can't use that to say um, he's not going to be a good one. And Nick also brings up if Derby Day is sloppy, what horse gets moved up a lot in your mind and what horse gets moved down? This is interesting. I think we've talked about this a little bit before. The best sires in the U.S. on dirt are all good mud sires now. If you look through it consistently into mischief, totally fine in the mud. You know, uh, if you look at Gun Runner, totally fine in the mud. Uh, all so twirling candies. I mean, pretty much Curlin. everyone, Curlin, everyone who's become, Uncle Mo, everyone who's become like a, a legit, like top tier. I'm gonna win a Derby, go a mile a quarter sire. They're pretty much all good in the mud. It's it's wild how that's happened, but they are all very good in it. So to me, the mud doesn't make a huge difference in this spot. Um, it, if, which if I, this was know. Oakland, if this was Oakland, I would say Zozos gets moved up a mile because Munnings on off track at Oakland was just print money. <laughs> now, now Munnings is one of those where like that's a legit move up. Um, and so Zozos actually would probably get a little bit of a bump to me. But but this isn't against a field of, of forces that are sired to not go on mud. That's the key. This is pretty much all of the big sires want are good enough on the mud now. So it's not like you're running against horses that don't want to be there. This is a really interesting question from Trish because I started thinking about this as soon as I saw it. How many horses are you using, you using in your pick five tickets? Right now, I would be between one and at most four. Most likely, I'm going to use two horses. I think two is going to be my number. Uh, but I, I would consider singling, depending on the draw. And that would either be Messier or Ty, but one of the two. Um, and four deep for me would be uh, Messier, Taiba, Zandon, and, um, and Epicenter. i Depending on how much I like the other races in the card, which obviously has to factor into this, depends how deep I will go on this race, uh, especially since they're going to be four of the shorter prices. But the thing with the Derby that's different than a lot of other races is I don't mind using four shorter prices when three of the four are going to be over four to one. Probably all four will be over four to one. So, um, And you're in a 20-horse field. So I, to me, I, I, I'm not going to swing big in this race from a price perspective, so I'll probably mm-hmm. try and go a little shorter. I'm with you. Yeah, I think, Chris, uh, perfect. About two to four. Uh, Nick, right in the sweet spot, says he's used three, of course, depending on who you like earlier in the car. And that, that's what it is. We're not saying right now this is our set in stone because we don't know who's showing up or what the, the, the four races will be beforehand. But, yeah, I think um, for me, Epicenter is my top pick, has been for months, and then maybe one or two horses, again, depending on the draw. Um, and speaking of the draw, <laughs> uh, Jimmy, thanks for watching. He says it's a waste of time to try to pick one until they know their post number. We appreciate you watching. <laughs> Uh, Shoddy, I think this year has a uh, closer has a chance. Shoddy, here's the problem with that: closers don't have a chance in this Derby point system. <laughs> well, but this could be the year that it happens. I'm not going to say it won't, because then that's when it does happen. Well, here's the thing: I could poke holes in all the speed horses real fast if you wanted me to. Like Taba, inexperienced Messier, probably not going to make the lead. Classic Causeway, not that good. 
Then you're looking at like, hey, epicenter and way to bargain sitting behind it. What if they don't fire? What if they go too fast or too close to the pace? All of a sudden you have like Mo Donegal's in and those type of horses. My issue with Mo Donegal specifically, he's a straight up plotter. Like mm-hmm. he does not have very much early speed at all. And if you do watch that wood back, he gets a beautiful trip. Zanin also got a beautiful trip in the bluegrass. I believe Zanin has more early speed or more tactical ability and that Pratt is going to put him a little bit more into the race. We'll see if that actually happens on race day or not. Um it's going to be tough to come from the back, no matter what, though. And I, I also don't think Messier or Taiba backs up, and I think Epicenter is a pretty good horse. I think that makes it more difficult as well to come from behind. Now, if you have early voting, if you have Classic Causeway and you had Forbidden Kingdom in this race, my tune might be a little different. But most likely, we're only going to have one of those three horses. JGX29 says, please sell Tiz the Bomb to me. I do not understand why people love him on dirt. JGX29, I have two things for you. First of all, thank you very much for watching us and for, for being on the channel. Second of all, you're on the wrong channel if you want someone to sell you. Yeah. Is the bomb. We are very much against him for that. We don't love him on dirt. In fact, we hate him on dirt. I would sell you to not use him. That would be my sell on Tis the bomb. I, I no interest at all. I hope he gets bad. Chris Maiella doing his best uh, trying to get banned from the chat. Uh, no, listen, Flavia Pratt has been, and Nick Feldman brought this up to me earlier. He's been good on dirt, really good on dirt. I think the Keelan turf course is fucking with him. Like, he is not enjoying that turf course this year. What's going on? Well, I think we've, I mean, look, we've talked about, I've talked about this with some other people outside of this channel. I, look, you're not going to see the best version of Flavian Pratt day one. Like, you're going to see the best version of Flavian Pratt day 20 we, and day we 21. We literally like got two. it race one day one. We got the best. <laughs> right. But you're like, I, I know you're, what you're he, what the reason he does so well in California is because he fiddles the other California riders. He didn't fiddle the other California riders day one when he landed on the ground. He got better and better and better because he learned how to ride against them. Um, also, if you look at who he's riding for, haven't been great in the turf races either. Like those those specific trainers, not exactly crushing it. Um, so I, I think that's part of the problem as well. I, look, he'll be fine. Is he still is he's one of the three best jockeys in America? You can't really argue that. We're gonna see how it turns out here. Um, did he get over bet a little bit after that first weekend? Probably. Uh, because he was hitting the board with everything that first weekend. So we'll see how it turns out. I, I'm not overly concerned about his performance at Keeneland. I, I still think he'll be just fine. We're going to get out of here, Mike. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. It's been over an hour of just wonderful Kentucky Derby chat. And listen, it's not going to end here. Uh, we have all week long and next week as well. We're going to be doing all sorts of content, both live and recorded, over at RacingDudes.com and YouTube.com slash RacingDudes. But, yeah, I, wanted to, I was bringing that up, so I'm glad you uh, mentioned it. On the 28th at Keeneland, race six, horse five, Patna. Mike, talk to us about Patna. Uh, so the horse I put, so I'm doing a stable up feature for our YouTube channel. I, I'm throwing out, I think, I don't know if you put the stable up from the key race we did earlier, but we're also going to have, uh, we all have a Patna was the first stable up that I used. This is a horse that went, ran first time out and it just did not look like that race. The intention was to win. So there's a full stable up video about two and a half minutes on Patna. She's going to be back on Thursday. Hopefully we can get a first W with our first stable up. I will, uh, oh, tip the table over here. Oh, <laughs> turn the volume off. Before we get screamed at. This is Mike and I do an audio, but it's fun. Uh, yeah, this is a video I've got to pull up here, but just literally uh, on our YouTube channel, there's Mike's beautiful face. Just search for Patna, stable him up Patna. Uh, Dennis brings up that this horse, and Mike did a great job of explaining why this horse is going to be good. And I think with we got 12 plus and also eligible in this race, uh, looking at who's here, you've got Pratt on the Chad Brown horse. Uh, I think you could still get a decent price. I don't know. What do you think, Patna? What, what, what are we going to get on her? I don't know. I haven't looked at the race yet. There's a lot of horses in there. I'm hoping we get something better than two to one. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, Dennis says, watch out for Quist and Shout. Oh, I like that name. Uh, another that Dennis stabled uh, after that race. Listen, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to get out of here just because, I mean, we could do this all day, but uh, unfortunately, they don't pay us to do this all day. So we're going to get out of here and go do some other stuff. Real quick, before oh, we I go. Forgot. Who's your derby horse? It's epicenter. You're still epicenter? Uh, still still epicenter. You're still Taiba? I I am like leaning Messier right now, but I think it's Taiba, but I'm I'm Messier is creeping back into the the, the system for me, not gonna lie. He's got a lot of I'm getting a lot of Medina Spirit vibes from him. I have for a while, and I don't uh, I don't particularly love that. I thought you were gonna bring up uh, this. We have the third racing dudes tournament challenge is gonna be this Friday, April 29th. You can prove yourself against the racing dudes team for a chance to win cash prizes and site credit for horsetourneys.com. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mindy Gunn won it the first time. I forgot who got the the site credit was who got site credit last week. Last race. I can't remember. Um, I know that. Uh, let's see. Three of the racing dudes. Three of the four racing dudes were in the top four, 
And then Mike Samich would bring up the rear two contests ago. Mike Samich won, and I brought up the rear. The reason I say that is because you don't have to be scared of us. One of us is guaranteed to finish last. The other guaranteed to finish in the money. Uh, you just need to be a racing just need to be a Racing Dudes premium member, but go to RacingDudes.com and figure out how you can join the Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the third one, Mike, it's going to cover Golden Gate. They've got a huge weekend coming up. So big, Matt Dinnerman is going to be our special guest on Thursday's episode of the Magic Mike Show. We're covering the late pick four Saturday at Golden Gate Fields. If you don't know, Golden Gate, the week before the Derby, this is their biggest week of the year. They put on an amazing turf festival, lots of great stakes action horses from Southern California coming up to invade Horses from Kentucky and Florida are expected to show up. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be doing that 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific on Thursday. Before we get out of here, did I forget anything else? Dave Feldman won the last one. Dave Thank Feldman you. won the last one. I, I, couldn't, I, I, I thought it was Nick Feldman. I'm like, it wasn't Nick Feldman, and I had to go back and look. It was Dave Feldman. David, congratulations. Everyone get in on that on Friday. We're going to use the same tournaments as the Friday features. So you can see how you would stack up. And starting on Wednesday, we are going to have Race to the Kentucky Derby, the live Racing Dudes YouTube show that we're going to have out. Uh, so join us at 11 or 12 o'clock Central, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific for you magicers. Uh, and we will be live for at least a half hour, probably talking all of the Kentucky Derby news. We'll talk about the workouts. We'll talk about how horses are going. We'll do a bubble watch to talk about who's in and who's out. Uh, we'll have that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. So make sure you check that out right here on the Racing Dudes YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kelloward. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight. Corporate overlords at Racing underscore dudes. And a special hello to our newest corporate overlord, Mr. Elon Musk, officially buying Twitter for $44 billion and change. Until Thursday when we have Matt Dinnerman for the Golden Gate Saturday Late Pick 4 show. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. May all your bets be winning ones. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com. Your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. 